Oh, hi. How's it going? This is Markley, and you're listening to Low Profile. Today, August 4th, 2023, sees the wide release of the film Dreamin' Wild. It's about the true story of Donnie and Joe Emerson and their uh, delayed success they had with their very first album from 1979. And if that sounds familiar, I had them on the show three years ago with their parents to help tell the story. Today, I'm going to be sharing that episode with you again. And uh, I'm going to go check out that movie today, too. Maybe I'll see you there. Here we go. KAOS 89.3 Olympia. Hi there. This is Markley Morrison, and it's great to be back with a new season of Low Profile. Today, on the 25th episode, I'm bringing you the goods. The definitive article on the sleeper underground pop duo Donnie and Joe Emerson. The two oldest siblings of their family, Donnie and Joe made the leap from agriculture to popular culture with their 1979 album Dreamin' Wild. The strange thing is that it took over three decades for their music to catch on. Talk about being ahead of their time. The song that put them on the map is called Baby. In recent years, it's been featured in several movies and the HBO show Big Little Lies, not to mention several cover versions by new artists like Ariel Pink with Dame Funk and the R&B duo Kristen and Shauna Gray. I had the privilege of speaking with not only Donnie and Joe, but also their parents, who risk everything to help their kids live their dream from custom jumpsuits to building a studio and producing a record on their farm in Fruitland, Washington. But before we hear this family interview, Donnie wanted to share a brand new rendition of Baby that he stumbled upon, sung by Kirsty Fox, with accompaniment by Stephen Dale. The duo recorded this cover separately during the COVID lockdown, and I spoke with them earlier this summer. Uh, my name's Stefan, and uh, I was producing this cover of Donnie and Joe's song uh, with Kirsty here. Introduce yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name's Kirsty. I am from South Wales, the same place as Steph, and I'm a vocalist. Can you tell me a little bit about how you came upon that song uh well it was it was my choice really i think wasn't it kirsty um yeah we were trying to find something weren't we yeah we were searching around i think we had a couple of ideas that 
I don't know, it, it just seemed like one of those songs that's, like I was saying to Kirsty, it's one of the songs that's hard to do wrong because it's, it's simple and, you know, there's not actually that many covers of it as well. I, don't, I think one other one I can note is Ariel Pink's cover. But um, online, we had a, you had a look on YouTube, didn't you, Kirsty? Yeah, there wasn't many at all. No. So yeah, we thought it was uh, it was a good one to uh, to to have a go at. Yeah. Yeah, ripe for reinterpretation, and I think uh, y'all did a lovely job. Well, if if they're, and they're I'm assuming they're going to be listening back to this podcast at some point as well when it's out. So yeah, I'd like to say uh, thank you for not suing us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for writing it in the first place because it is a great tune. Yeah, it's like, one so of my good. Favorites. Beautiful piece of music. It's so nice to sing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think you did it pretty good justice there, Kirsten. Thanks, Steph. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> that was the Welsh duo Kirsty and Steph on their new cover of Baby, a song originally written by this episode's guests, Donnie and Joe Emerson. Okay, the intro's over. Come on and hang out with Donnie and Joe, their mom and dad, and yours truly. I'm Joe Emerson. It's Don Emerson, senior. And where are you tonight? We're at the farmhouse here in Fruitland. Yeah, we're at the where we where were we grew up. Yep. Wow, back home. And uh, I understand it's your birthday, Don. Yes. It, yeah. Today was my birthday, and we was up to the bar and had a birthday party there up in Hunters, close to where we went to school. Very cool. You know, I, I just, first of all, I want to say thank you. I'd like to thank you so much for talking to me. This has been a long time coming. Um, if you don't mind me sharing how I discovered your music before we get going. That'd be um, great, Mark. Yeah, so I was on tour with the band Lake, and uh, we were, I believe we were in Baltimore. We found this underground record store that was literally underground like you went to the sidewalk level and went downstairs into a basement (laughs) and uh, we were just looking for some records to take home cds to listen to in the van while we were on the road and uh, while we were browsing the fellow working behind the counter stopped whatever was playing and he put on dreaming wild me and my two bandmates that I was with inside the store all of us stopped, rose up, and like started walking towards the cashier to find out what the hell he was playing. Uh, it was immediately just grabbed all of our attention. Did it make you feel like you were on top of the world? 
Classic that we never knew about, and he uh, sold us a CDR copy of it for six bucks, I think. And we wow. uh, we played the hell out of it while we were on the road. Um, it became sort of our soundtrack for a while, and uh, yeah, we were kind of doing our research on you guys even as far back as 2008 or nine, and found out that y'all were from Washington where we live too uh -huh. um i'm i'm in olympia of course and so uh don senior you still live in spokane or i'm yeah. sorry fruitland we live here in fruitland i mean not in fruitland but we're uh we're five miles south of fruitland so we're on highway 25 here uh, all right and donnie you're in spokane yeah i i, I live in spokane and I just came out for you know dad's birthday and and actually it's, it's a pretty cool thing and the whole family's out here but i just got to tell you something i i uh the story that you told me about kind of hearing about our music and stuff i actually talked to bill polad about that incident did he did they ever talk to you at all or or anything because i told him about the story that you told me Oh, can I can I interrupt you for just a second? Sure. Um, just for for the sake of the listener, um, Bill Polad is directing a feature film about Donnie and Joe. Yes, he's actually writing and directing the film. Yeah, and but and right. I and I was telling him about the story, Mark. Okay, and okay. his his eyes lit up when I was telling him about this. He was telling me on the other end because I told him over the phone. He's, and he says, "You Donnie, I'm just lighting it up over on the other end." And I think what he was thinking was an image in his head. You gotta remember, you know what I mean? So I don't know what he's actually was thinking at the moment, but as a creator, you never know. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, whoa, yeah. whatever. Yeah, and yeah, we talked, I want to say what, maybe like eight months ago? I think it was last fall. Mm hmm. Something like that. Do you know what the, what the deal is with the movie at this point? Well, Joe, you want to say something that might be better coming I from I think here? River Road Entertainment's taken over the production part of the film right now, as far as what we can, we've heard. Um, but, um, and, and I think the script is 90% finished, and we'll probably be, the family, uh, our family will probably be uh, listening and, and uh, hearing the script here uh, sometime soon this summer. That's really exciting. You think you guys are going to try to make a cameo? Oh, I don't know. 
I, I, <laughs> well, we don't know what the script is yet. We, we, yeah, yeah. We're, we're kind of in the dark a bit. It's, it's, it's a bit mysterious in a way because, <laughs> you know, the story's about us, and now we're kind of wondering, how's this thing going? I mean, it is kind of a dream and wild right. thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is kind of crazy. Yeah, it, there's not a whole lot of stories or information about you that's, you know, readily available to the public. So that's part of the reason I'm excited to speak with you guys. Mm-hmm. Like, when I hear stuff that sounds different every time I hear it, I want to know more about the lives behind it. And so, from what I understand, you guys just grew up in Fruitland, Washington, or I guess just outside of it. And... Don Sr., you were a farmer and a logger. Yeah. And y'all had a, some 1,600-acre farm. Is that right? Well, I had 1,760 acres. Wow. Even bigger than I thought. Yeah. And y'all worked the farm. Uh, were, were there other people working the farm, or was it just the family? You had You had some hired people helped a little bit yeah dad would hire some during the summer that was when we were quite younger yeah we were younger at that time that was when we were Mm -hmm. toddlers but then of course when we got into our teen years early teen years then Mm -hmm. uh, we we began taking on the the farm chores more so yeah yeah i was wondering if you could tell me about uh your siblings because you you said that there's a younger brother as well um what who, who are your siblings, and what's the birth order, if I can get really meticulous? Well, I'm the oldest. Yeah, and then I'm... And then Don's second in line. Then we have a sister, Maria. Then David. And then Catherine Rose. So there's five of us, five siblings in the family. And we're all pretty much maybe a couple years apart. Rosie's the youngest. She came quite a bit later. She's nine, about nine years younger than I. And I'm 61 years of age now, so. Wow, so that that puts you at about 19 or 20 when Dream and Wild came out. Yeah, yeah. I was about 18. Donnie was about 16. Hey, I just got to say something. Mom is here with us as well, Mark. Our mother's with oh, us. Wow. Is this with? Is she's right beside us? Can she say hello yeah. as well? Oh, please. Yeah, just kind of. Yeah, introduce yourself. Yeah. Can because we don't no one really hears from our mother that much and and I just think it'd be awesome if she could just say say hi to Mark your mom hi Mark how are you hi good and I I didn't I didn't catch your name oh my name's Selena Selena well um Selena could I ask you to sort of describe Donnie and Joe when they were beginning to um, show their their musical strengths and tendencies? Yes, when I was very little, I had a hard time with them because she used to take me little spaghetti, little pots and pan, and I said, uh-uh, we cannot do that anymore. So I went to Goodwill and I bought him some and I was working with that and sometimes took the vacuum cleaner too. And I said, that's not very well, not good, because it's dusty. I tried to play kinds of music with that, making noise. But I always let him do it because I felt it's better see him in the living room with all that noise, doing a lot of noise, from see him outside running around. Didn't know where it goes because you cannot keep him still out when you're outside. It's outside, you know. 
We put a lot so, of we put uh, a lot of dents in those uh, uh, pouts and pans, didn't I, Mom? Yes, yes, you did. <laughs> so we've done a lot of things with this. We've been a lot of places too to get it. So, so a lot of things. So. We're gonna have Mom. We're gonna have our mother sit down here just a little bit yeah. here, Mark. Oh, great, great. <laughs> yeah, this is we, we this is really work. exciting. Uh huh. We really work hard on this since we get started in the beginning. We always was do what the kids really wanna do. It we was going to do the right thing. We went along with it. My husband and I and everybody had to make sacrifice in our family. We could not do it without God's help. Mm -hmm. We were always strong in our faith, and that's number one in our lives because that's as important as you cannot. This world, they made here to stay, made here to prepare for the next life. Mm -hmm. So we're very picky on that kind of subject. So, so I think, I my opinion, I I hope this movie when it come out, it be not put things not nice things in it. I don't think it's going to do that because we're not that kind of people we are. And I hope it is successful and good movie. Because I've been looking forward to it. <laughs> so, but the boys work hard. Joe, he practice drums and he play guitar too. You know, he play the piano too. And Donnie, he never stop. Yeah, I remember when he used to practice in the studio, the studio Bill, my husband did build for them. And he come in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, he take his shoes off. Mm -hmm. He come from the basement to not make noise to wake us up. So he work awful hard in this. He never stop. He always practice and playing and he always come for noon song. What you think about this, Mom? You think it's gonna be hit? And I said, Well, I brought a lot of songs to you, didn't I, Mom? Yes you did. Lots right of songs. In. The thing is I would bring the songs home to her on a yeah. tape. Yeah. And they would be produced. And she'd say, well, I kind of like that. Yeah. I kind of like that. Normally, it was always she liked everything I did, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, the one, one thing I've definitely gathered from uh, the things I've read about you guys, it was just a very supportive, loving family. And you guys were, you know, you, you guys were hot stuff in your town, uh, you know, the 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 local rock and roll band but not party animals not uh you guys weren't trashing hotel rooms or no, anything no. like that <laughs> no and in fact uh, good clean fun yeah yeah well it was i mean the thing is we were fortunate when during that time during 1977 and 78 79 there were other musicians around here as well if we came from a very small area but there were little bands here. There were two other bands, by the way, wasn't there, Joe? It, that was in our area. Yeah, there was the 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 McLeans up there, and then there was the uh, Haroldsons. They had their band, and then we had our band. So to to have three bands in a small little community, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah.
back to how how did you get into pop music? What was your what was your first exposure that you remember that really made an impact? Well, I'll let you talk on that one, Joe. Go ahead. Well, uh, let's see. Well, it had to do with you, I think. Didn't well, it? probably me. Probably getting a driver's license and having a car with a radio in it. Finally, having uh, my own car and and um, I really didn't know too many bands or anything and didn't listen to too much music. But when I first bought, I I did have a couple of eight track tapes. We didn't have albums and things like that in any collection at home. We didn't listen to music at home, but at school, I remember in one of the locker rooms, some guy had a, some tapes, and one was a Steely Dan tape, and I, well, maybe I, I, I purchased one of those, maybe I'll like that music, you know, I was just trying to fit in, but I didn't know who, what kind of music it was, I just seen the guy had, had a, the tape, and it said Steely Dan, so well, I think I'll buy that out of Columbia House Records, you know. Well, that was kind of my introduction. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, of course, our local radio station in Spokane, um, KJRB, played a lot of variety of music and that. And, and I think I probably tuned into that station quite a bit. And, and, and that's when my first beginnings was of the music that was happening at the time. But um, I was really quite naive about concert music that was happening in Spokane because I didn't go to concerts. And... We, we rarely uh, met other musicians outside of our own town. So that was probably my mainstay of, of the beginnings. Now, Don probably had probably similar beginnings too, but I don't know what, what your main thing was, Don. Well, it's so weird because I, uh, Joe, would, you know, we would go down and, and have to change irrigation pipes, you know, and we'd all ride in Joe's car. He had a station wagon. Uh, he'd have an eight-track tape of, I, I, I don't know. It seemed like it, he had a, a tape of different different people on it. At that time, I didn't have an eight-track tape player. It wasn't in that, not in that Chevy station not, wagon. It wasn't. That was just not radio? Not then, but it was just a radio. I really wasn't listening to that much stuff except for the stuff that, you know, they would have on their radio in their car or whatever, you know, Steve Miller Band and... Stuff like Boston. that, Boston. Um, but um, there were there are other stuff like Steely Dan as well, you know, all that bread. kind of stuff. Bread, yeah. But a lot of the stuff that came on the radio was different, though, Mark. We got a a, a, a plethora of music on on the radio because at that time they would play many genres. They played country, they played pop, soul um, on this station. It wasn't just one style of music, if that makes any sense. I think there was another, um, venue where we got our music. It's television. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, we think about that. Bandstand was on, Don. Oh, we yeah, used Bandstand. To watch Bandstand. Yeah. And, of course, Don, and what, we, we didn't have much, uh, music genres on TV at that time, but Bandstand was a, kind of a, I think I probably touched you quite a bit, too. That did, and another thing is the Lawrence Welk show. That's right. I, I, mean, I was a big Lawrence Welk fan. Um, oh yeah. Some kids might not have got into that, but but the musicianship in the in on the Lawrence Welk show was above anything, and it's above anything even to this day. Yeah, and Lawrence Welk was sort of. I I remember watching Lawrence Welk reruns when I was a little kid, and right. he was definitely like the antithesis of cool. 
kind of so square that it was cool yeah, exactly. at the same time. <laughs> I'm just trying to think at that time. See, 1975, I was... Uh, did I forget how old I was in 75? Was I 14? <laughs> You're getting too old to remember, Don. I remember nothing. <laughs> I know. I'll tell you something. One of our friends, who was our bass player, Eldon, his father was into country music. And some of that stuff actually rubbed off on us, too. Uh, it doesn't sure. s- doesn't seem like... Because he would hang around with us and come and watch us play. Dad, Our dad would come to our rehearsals while we were at the, at the Grange Hall. And, you know, if, if you listen to 45, it's got country influences in it. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a different type of thing over there, though. It's a different type of animal, you know. It's like, sure. It's not like here, you know. They have sparse, sparse play over there. So, you know, it takes a lot of. Here, it's so saturated, Mark. You know, with radio stations playing one style of music. Over there, they were playing many styles of music on the same station. So, that right. that yeah. was like it's all integrated. It's all integrated. I when I was I listened to uh, a couple of your '90s country records, uh, whatever it takes and through life, mm-hmm. and it kind of reminded me of uh, like later period Roy Orbison. You're both crooners. Take my heart forever. So close we are I can feel the miles apart After all, since you love me There's no way I could ever leave Cause throughout I'm falling in love with you I'm more comfortable with ballads And I mean I like um, up-tempo tunes and everything, and I, I'll do them. But what I do like about ballads is that you can you can let the song breathe a little bit and phrase a little differently, and and create space in your phrasing where you can't really do that in a in an up-tempo tune. It's all kind of in your face. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. The yeah, you can be more lush with a ballad. Right. Right. Well, um, I kind of want to rewind in the conversation a little bit here. You were talking about how you were playing at uh, Grange Halls and local events. And Don Sr., you took them out to Spokane and found a recording studio and they made a 45. Can you just tell me how you got from, from there to 
recording the album? Well, it was kind of kind of simple how we got from there because we, after we recorded that 45, we started listening to it and we said to ourselves, "Heck, we can do this ourselves. We're 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 not perfect, but gee, we can do that." <laughs> so, I we just. Uh, we had uh, the other Mr. T was involved with us. He was his music teacher, but we had him on. He'd always come and check on us, see how we was doing, and he was going to promote us some and whatnot. But anyway, he could see that maybe uh, maybe we could do that. So we got the big idea that we'd we get to record an equipment and we'd do it ourselves instead of paying somebody else out there to do it. Yeah. So that's what we done. We had the studio built, and uh, they was practicing there. And so, Mr. T he went and bought the equipment, and I paid for it, and that's the way it went. He just learned on his own. We was heavily <laughs> over equipmentized, <laughs> but we used it. We did use it, and and uh, it was. It, it was an interesting time because T would bring out of a piece of equipment, say once every 30 days, he'd bring something out just to see if it might work for us to possibly, because he ran, our, he ran a, um, a music store, okay? And, right. and so he'd bring something out and he'd say, hey, you might want to try this to go with that piece right there. Yeah. And we'd experiment with it and say, oh yeah, that really works, you know? Like, like maybe like a, an Echoplex machine, or a, or a, mm -hmm. a, you know, or 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 maybe a an equalization thing, like a thirty-two band equalizer. And I said, well, what what can I do with this, you know? And then I realized what I could do with it. And then and then I also knew, but here's the thing: mic placement wasn't really uh, prevalent with him teaching me mic placement. All that stuff had to be learned as we went nobody sure. taught us that stuff you know mic placement if you listen to the record you could see where we kind of evolved and then kind of we regressed because that's what happens you 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 say okay this kind of sounds good but then you kind of forget how you did that you know and then you move on to something else we got robbed so we got some more equipment uh, yeah we did <laughs> oh, get robbed man. <laughs> really yeah. somebody yeah. broke into your studio yeah yeah, yeah. someone broke in and Stole about, oh, I don't know, maybe $50,000 worth of equipment, a couple guitars, a TV monitor, flute, uh, flute oh, just different different items that, that they get hands on at the time of the break-in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The instrumentation on your records are just really very thorough and so varied. It's you got a lot going on, and it's all very tasteful and also playful at the same time. Well, thanks for uh, saying that. I will tell you what, we, we knew what we were doing when we were doing it.
And it's it, and I've been doing this now for 45 years. I can I I can tell young kids this. Your gift does not come from your hard work. It comes from your connecting to that space, that place, and that's God's gift coming to you. A lot of times they don't know how to connect, you know, and because you can work and work and work and work and work and never come up with lines. I think it's like a plant that's growing as, as from a seed. You know, you can't you can't. Uh, it's not mechanical. It's got to take some nature. It's got to take some something that's just uh, true to itself. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's naturally going to happen. Yeah, and that's funny because I go play with guys I'm playing with right now, Mark, and I don't even have the creativityness that I had with Joe and Eldon with them. It's 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 so weird, Mark. It's it's almost like things are thought out too much. Oh, I got to think it like this. No. The bass player should, you know what I mean? Sometimes you just got to let yourself go. And it's hard to do that because we're in a day and age where we want to piece things together. We piece it together on these on these, on these these digital workstations. Well, we've got to piece this together, piece that together. Well, what happens is you're not really in tune with your bandmates. You're basically just relying on the piecing and cutting and pasting of a, of a mathematical equation instead of just let it breathe I don't care if you're out of tune at the beginning if it flows and it's right it's right it's just the way I look at it anymore yeah that's it yeah I think I agree with you that it just it it's something that you it's it's more of an experience it's more of something that happens to you than something you forced to happen exactly and yeah do you want to say something joe no i think it's uh, I, I think it's that's correct what you guys are both saying there and true in a sense uh it's just uh it comes out of you i mean again of course we were young i think that had a lot to You're do we to weren't it. cluttered our minds weren't cluttered with a lot of things around us that was was happening sure out in the outside world from our own world yeah but um we had this this vision and then enlightenment of like I'm I'm going to do this I'm so excited I, 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 yeah I just... and, and of course I had a part in that it, mine was the the thrill of the event where we got together with Don and my friend Eldon um, that moment was like wow we're going to go we're going to play some music it was like a, the, a new thing is happening here uh -huh. and uh, we're creating something it it. Um, it's it's like a diamond in a rough. You, you all of a sudden it's coming out. Wow, this is cool. You know, I hear young kids come up to me, and I see bands that are conformed. They're conformed. They get together and they peter out after about four or five months, six months, and they're gone. Okay, but the greats, they're never gone. When you when you listen to the song "Baby," Joe and I playing that song. Okay, those are one mm -hmm. those are one takers. There's no overdubs. There's no overdubs of, of going back and singing the mel uh, the lead singing vocal. The, I mean, you, you, we just I just made the words up as I was going. <laughs> and then you'd layer stuff on. Yeah, and then we did the backups. We did the backups. 
Well, see, for, we did the backups on that, and then I just sang over it, and that was a one take, because I couldn't punch in then. I didn't know how to punch in. So I just kind of dreamed off in La La Land and started singing. <laughs> just, and then after, I got it done, then after I got it done, I wrote the words down on a piece of paper just so I couldn't forget them. <laughs> you know, that's kind of how I did stuff at that time. Um, but coming up with Dreaming Wild, yeah, that's, you know. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah, and and I'm sure you've done that yourself with your bandmates. You've you know, just got to start banging away, and all of a sudden you got something. Um, Joe, can you speak to what you've been doing musically over the last uh, almost, I, I guess it's been over 40 years since the inception of the duo, but you've continued to play music in addition to the logging business, right? Right, yeah. Well, I did miss it not playing with Don when he went and ventured off and went pretty much on his own at first. And then, of course, then he, he, he married and his wife worked together with him. And then he had band members later on. But I, I did miss Don not being with Don and, and our earlier band members. But then I, I still wanted to do something with music. And, and eventually I started playing guitar a little bit. But I was different than Dawn in some ways. We're different, but we're both kind of like, you know, we got this kind of uh, hunger to say, I want to show them this kind of a sound. I want to show them that kind of sound. myself here, uh, still, you know, not as much as I'd like to, but, uh, you know, once a week I'll pick the guitar up and go upstairs and play my guitar and play some drums. when you found out that your album was sort of taking off in this sort of underground vintage pop scene three decades later well hold a second I gotta, I gotta, re I gotta rewind here rewind rewind sure I remember uh, in my kitchen or my you know my dining room and my daughter's on the internet at that time I think she was about 10 or 8 and she says, Daddy, look, look, these people are playing your music. That's Daddy, you know, on there. And I think at the time, I think there was, I don't know, there were, I don't know how many thousand views on there. There must have been maybe, I don't know, maybe 2,000 views or something. I don't even know if it was that much, Mark, whatever. But to me, that was a big deal, okay? And so I'm thinking to myself, hmm, what's this all about? You know, this is kind of interesting. Well, weeks went by, weeks went by. And we started getting more views, and um, um, I, all I remember is getting calls from some record collectors saying, "Are you Donnie Emerson that wrote Dreamin' Wild and, and your brother Joe?" And, and I says, "Yeah." I says, "What's the deal?" And I says, 
well, we just love this record, and we want to get some records, and where can we call, and who, where can we get them? So I turned them on to my dad. So it was kind of a, a surreal thing. It was just, it was, it was kind of like, oh my gosh, what's this? This is weird. This is like, you know, I, I'm at that time I was in my mid 40s, I think 45. How how old? I can't remember how old I was. 48 or something like that or something. And you know, it's kind of odd to make have those feelings come back to you. It's it, it's it's strange. What makes your record stick out to a lot of people who are unassuming is the what's seen now is a totally outrageous cover. At, at first glance, it has been written that it appears that you might even be Siamese twins, <laughs> even though you're two years apart and, you know, there's an apparent, you know, you don't look like identical twins. Right. But the matching jumpsuits, the white jumpsuits that you're wearing with your names <laughs> on patches, it's a, the, like a band uniform, you know? Right, right. <laughs> and uh, did you get those specifically for the album shoot, or was that something that came before the album? Um, that came before the album. We had those made. Go ahead. You want to explain it, Joe? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. We had those made in Spokane. <clears throat> A store called uh, that at the time is called Style Builders in Spokane. Elvis. What was that, Mom? At the time, we was talking about Elvis. Everybody talked about him, and we kind of like his uniform. So the kids, the boys, with the guys used to come and see how was the music going. They decided all together that's how it's going to be the uniform. And so Joseph, he even had a medallion, what do you call it, Joe? Medallion? And still have it, I think. And it was pretty sharp, and everybody did like it well, you, at the, the time. The thing is, Mark, you have to realize, I think we were 10 years behind. In 78 and 79, think of 68 and 69. Because we're out here in the farm, and we're kind of away from everything. Isolation. Isolation, yeah. Yeah, that's what happens. Yep. But um, tell me, tell me about this medallion. I this this is something I didn't know about. Uh, well, if you look at the record, you, you'll see I'm wearing uh, a medallion around my neck. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah. I've got it right here in front yeah. of me. So. Yeah, Joe designed that. Uh, the the medallion. It's um, it's uh, kind of the design of the, uh, I think it's NATO symbol or something, in a way. But there's an E, if you notice on, well, you don't see it on their jumpsuits there, maybe. But if, uh, on the reissue that Light and Attic did, uh, yeah. the second release of other t other melodies and stuff that we Donnie and I put together, it shows, I think, the back of the jumpsuits, and it shows the E and the C kind of back to each, each other. And uh, that's for Enterprise and Company. And you still have your medallion? Yes, we still have our medallions. Yeah. Both of you. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That was 30 years later. Now we're 40 years later, and there's there's a movie coming. And right. I just, like, I, if I were in your shoes, I would have a hard time wrapping my head around that. Or... Yeah, and the thing is, just seven days ago... I listened to a remake of the baby song from this young girl. Mark, I believe her name is Kirsty Fox. 
okay, and she's done the remake of Baby, okay, it's probably been one of my favorite versions of, of it, and I want to see things happen for her with this song, the way she's done it, she's singing it just, just wonderful, I just, you know, for someone unknown to be singing this song, um, uh, Ariel Pink has done it, I like, I like Ariel's version as well, but, uh, to hear a girl sing it and to sing it the way she's singing it uh, is is so well done. Maybe you can play an insert of her music while she's doing it because I, she the girl needs props and and she's doing a fantastic job. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's definitely going on the show. And yeah, I love the the Ariel Pink Dame Funk cover of it as well. Those mm -hmm. are both artists that I've been following for you know about as long as i've been following y'all right it all kind of i feel like i feel like the vibe that you guys were putting out when you released dream and wild had a big resurgence with the whole you, i'm sure you're familiar with like the sort of yacht rock characterization yeah um, yeah yeah just kind of people people all of a sudden realizing that there was this specific sound that um of just like really syrupy molasses pop music yeah and i've seen it yeah and, and since dreaming wild has been out i see a lot of people kind of following that vibe you know which is kind of true i i've seen it i've seen it a lot and, and it's been great our music's been in a lot of films we're very been we've been blessed because our stuff's been in in a lot of films So I know from reading liner notes on your albums that there's a treasure trove of Donnie and Joe Emerson recordings. Uh, I want to know, how long was the unit a thing? The Like the existence of the Donnie and Joe duo as a band... I mean, it, it really began probably in, in 79 when we did the, the, the picture taking at the at studio in Spokane. And then it was probably uh, two, 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 three years is all. I mean, that's quite a short because shortly after that, we decided that Don, kind of in a group uh, uh, agreement, uh, uh, we decided together that uh, Donnie should continue with his... Uh, uh, songwriting and singing but maybe we should go another avenue so we decided to put some monies in and go hire musicians studio musicians and 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 do a solo album Dom did well that started in 80 83 or 81 so we only had a period of maybe three years or so when the the Dreamin' Wild was uh, came together that actually we could say that was Donnie and Joe my favorite track from Still Dreamin' Wild is uh, Ride the Tide. Okay. I, I love it. I When I first heard it, I think I listened to it about 15 times in a row. Are you leaving me to ride the tide again?
Been a few years down there, right? Yeah, off and on I was staying with a, a, a guitar, uh, a photographer friend of mine, who let me bunk out at his house, which wasn't a typical type of house, or 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 a condominium. It was it was a typical thing you would see out of a Hollywood movie or something, you know, the swimming pool, the the copper roof, you know, the, the grand piano in the in the foyer, the whole vibe, you know what I'm saying? He was a high fashion model photographer. Yeah. So you can just picture that whole vibe. And, and you were a high fashion model. Well, I, I was around. Did you bring high, your jumpsuit to LA? No, no. I was this country bump. I was this country bumpkin guy down there. He he shot my cover on the uh, on the record. Can I see you? Record, and we became friends. And I started staying there with him. And I wrote this song uh, about someone that I met down there. And it just kind of came, it happened pretty fast. I wrote it really fast. And, um, yeah, I played, I pieced all the parts together. The whole thing was all separated, kind of like Fleetwood Mac would do, like Mick Fleetwood would do. And you can kind of, you can kind of hear that vibe in there, you know. Hey, I heard there's a vacancy in that band. Yes, there is, and I think I'm the right guy for it. <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> I, uh, I would be honored to yeah, be that guy, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but my thing is but my thing is this Lindsey Buckingham to me is the is the uh, he is the cornerstone of that band he is the guy that came up with those melodies of the guitar work the sound of it the vibe you know but Donnie he's not even an original member well I know it's all it's all crazy isn't it it is yeah it is. Uh, one more thing I wanted to know is, uh, it, are are your folks still there? Yes. Don. Yeah, we're here. Selena. Yes. We're still here. How how do you feel about um, the likelihood that you you will both be portrayed by actors in an upcoming film? <laughs> how do you feel about that, Dad? How do you feel uh, about it? Who's well, that's fine with me. <laughs> I don't know who's gonna take my part. To play me because I my I went when he had the album, I I knocked a lot of doors and I saw a lot of album at the time, and I I'm not an educated person, you know I don't know how to read and write, but I said I try it so You're I knock a smart on person, the door, Mom. <laughs> I I <laughs> I knock on doors and actually people bought the album and some of them I said what you doing here, I said Mark I said I'm helping my son he needs some help. So he don't understood me the first time. He says, what's the matter with your son? He need help? He's sick or something? He says, no. I said, he's ready to go to California. He's le he needs some help. We need to really keep going here because we went through so much in this business. 
but we never stopped, keep going. We had ups and downs and things like that. But you know something, I chased by ducks, scared me to death because those ducks want to have the babies. You better don't go knock on doors. And nobody was helping me. So when that big mama dog, mama duck to chase me, then <laughs> I was scared. So I wonder sometime, I think, who's going to play my part? Because that part of the story, I, I chased by dogs, I chased by dogs, and, and you know, it's not what's easy, because sometimes you go knock on doors, you don't know who's going to open the door. Well, too my, many stories. Yeah, my part would be a tough one, because you have to have one uh, that, uh, I don't know, it's very stubborn, and believes in, in what the project the kids are doing, and I know the people around the community must have thought I was crazy, you know, what I was doing. They had to have thought that. It's the only thing I come in my head. I'm, I'm going to interject just on who could, gonna, you know, who, you know, Dad, I don't know how he's going to handle it, who's playing him. But he's going to have to be a very soft-spoken guy. Dad doesn't get excited too much. He doesn't oh. get wild. You know, there's some guys that get wild, you know. That sure. he doesn't get that way. He's very, very. Uh, he's very uh, reserved. Reserved. From the photos I've seen uh, in that era, say the like late seventies, early eighties, I would say uh, Eric Warham and Rashida Jones probably pull off the part. Well, I don't know anything about actors. Well, who 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 would you who would you and Joe want to play? yourselves <laughs> well, I don't know Fantasy he's probably too old Chachi I don't know if they play me <laughs> Chachi no. Scott Bale can play me I don't know <laughs> uh, you remember Donnie when he was I don't know Jack Nicholson can play Donnie I think Jack Nicholson's gonna play me <laughs> at what at, at 16 years old <laughs> Oh, God, I wouldn't man even playing know. A teenager. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't know. Sounds good. Go. Hey, I'd watch that movie. Yeah. I, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Thank you all so much for everything you did. Thank Mr. you, Mark. Mrs. Thank Emerson, you, Mark, for interviewing for... us. Thank you very much, Mark. You're welcome, Mark. I just want to say one thing before we end, the, end, end this, because we're going to go to bed. Um... I just want to tell all the fans out there that <clears throat> stuff like this doesn't happen all the time. I don't know if it's ever happened like this. And, and, and I want to tell the young kids out there that it is a gift. It is a gift, and it's a gift from God. And to really treat it with a lot of respect as much as they can, you know, because it doesn't come all the way from all your practicing and your hard work. It comes because it's given to you. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah, so treat it with care. Yep. Don't throw it away. Don't exploit it. Yeah. And it's always it too. When you yep. make a good music, yep. make it decently, just never go away. Yeah. Come back yeah. over and over. Yep. That's how I feel about it. Thank you, Mark, for having us here. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Thank you, Selena. And good and night. You, and Senior. God bless you. Yeah. Say bye. God bless you, okay. too. Bye, Mark. Bye.
What a treat to have the Emerson family on the show today. What you're hearing right now is a never-before-released track called Aussie Theme, an instrumental song from their treasure trove of unheard recordings. This particular song was written and recorded for their uncle Danny, who came from Australia to visit the family on their farm back in 1983. You won't find this anywhere else. So until next installment, thanks for listening to Low Profile, and enjoy the music. Markley, you've been listening to Low Profile. You just heard my interview with Donnie and Joe Emerson. The movie about their lives, Dreaming Wild, is out today. Uh, It's playing in Lacey, actually. I'm going to go see it there this weekend, so maybe I'll run into you. Also this weekend, Sunday, 3 o'clock, it's Schurler Sundays. We've got Morgan and the Organ Donors, Exono, and Chance of Ghosts, all performing and giving interviews for a future episode of Low Profile. It's going to be taped in front of an audience. Love to see you in that audience. It's behind the Carnegie Library in downtown Ole. That's at 7th and Franklin this Sunday at 3.30. If you'd like to catch up on previous episodes of Low Profile, go ahead and find lowprofilepodcast.com. we got the whole archive there. Up next, it's Jack Hobegger's Celebrity Telethon here on KAOS 89.3 Olympia Radio for you.